0: everyone welcome to foul puck a sports ball podcast for the rest of us here at foul puck we're a little bit different from other sports ball podcasts because we don't like to assume that our listeners or frankly our co-hosts know everything about facility (laughs) hygiene officers or just how the actual hell tennis is scored
1: i'd say rude but that's accurate i don't know (laughs) either of those things
0: I honestly I'm including myself in that I was that was not because I don't know how to score tennis I don't understand how love is a score I mean maybe it's for more things but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm your host today Rebecca and uh, judging by the fact that I read the entirety of the NHL's phase two plans I guess it's safe to say that I am still your go to hockey person
1: Aww. and uh,
0: <laughs> I am joined today by my friends Nancy
1: The one who likes to interrupt everybody all the time. I'm sorry. You guys let me stay on the podcast anyway, and I'm so grateful. (laughs) Uh, I am typically your basketball enthusiast, but uh, I have discovered a new and deep and abiding love for women's soccer. Uh, So I'm going to talk about that today. That's going to be exciting.
2: Awesome. And then also Rachel. Hi, I'm still your baseball guru, currently deeply ambivalent about the return of baseball, but uh, Mm. we'll get to that. Oh, that was it.
0: It felt like you were going to say more, and we're also joined by our by our um, silent producer editor Joe and Cat Pele. So, so we'll pretend that she's waving to you, and you guys can wave back.
1: Oh, everybody, wave at your phone, your podcast, your 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 device.
0: Yeah. Yay. So um, last week, and it actually was last week. I think we talked about um, <laughs> we talked vaguely about the designated hitter. And then decided we needed to follow up on that. And yes, very out of character for your for your <laughs> co hosts here at Foul Puck. We actually do have that follow up today. So Rachel, I'm going to toss this one over to you to follow up. I know on it's our, a it's it's weird. It's a new feeling. I'm not I know, right? sure how I feel about it. Let I mean we can't say this is a trend, but maybe it's maybe it's kind of like an upward trajectory. <laughs>
1: I've learned to fear upward trajectories, though. Oh, good point. Oh, fair. I'm
0: sorry. That's all right. So, Rachel, tell us about the designated hitter.
2: Do we want a review of what the designated hitter is, first of all? Yes, please.
1: Always. Absolutely.
2: Okay. So the designated hitter is a player who hits in... A spot in the lineup for someone else. In practice, this always means hitting in the pitcher's spot. Um, okay. Currently, but it could be for anyone. I believe so. Yes. Okay. In theory, but in practice, it's right the pitcher. Um. So, currently, um, in Major League Baseball, only the uh, American League teams use the designated hitter. The National League uh the pitcher has to hit or someone has to hit in the pitcher's spot but it's not the same person every time it's a little bit complicated um so logistics wise the dh is a little more uh a little simpler yes rebecca i so see you have your hand up <laughs>
1: i thought i would try
2: that instead of
0: interrupting you um okay i'm sorry i know we've gone over this before but the no, that's national fine. league national league and american league is not like east and west right it's just kind no. of a mishmash scattered across the country
2: Yes, they're essentially okay. divided evenly across each team has okay. a east, west and central. Okay, so yeah, it's very confusing. Yes, as far as I know, there's not really rhyme nor reason over, you know, why a certain league's teams are located a certain place, um, though, if an area has two teams, usually one is American League and one is National League.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the things that, like, finally helped me figure it out, because, like, the Bay Area has the Giants and the A's, and when I first moved Mm -hmm. here, I was like, oh, well, they must be huge rivals, you know, they're across the Bay from each other every year, they play a game, that's, like, they call it the Battle of the Bay, and, like, yeah, no, they're super not rivals at all, because they're in different leagues. And so it was like... Because they only play each other once or twice a year. Exactly. Yeah,
2: and other than that, the only time they would meet each other would be in the uh, World Series. The final, yes. right? Finale when they, of the season. When
1: they, when they both get to the season finale, which has that, <laughs> yes, ever happened? I'm gonna go with no. I don't think so. I mean, no. they both have gone to the World Series, yes. but not together. Multiple times, yeah.
2: but not, yeah, not at the same yeah. time.
1: Okay, I'm sorry. Please okay.
2: continue. Okay, so that's what the designated hitter is. Only the American League uses the designated hitter currently, um, but. Uh, for this uh, mini season that I'll talk about later, um, <laughs> everybody's going to be using the DH or just des- so DH designated hitter. Okay. So um, the designated hitter, I believe goes back to, I've ta- I feel like I've talked about the history of it already. Um, right, you refresh League- our
1: memory. Cause I definitely right. don't remember.
2: Um, well, I don't have my notes here about the history oh, of it. i pretty sure it goes back to the seventies um, when that the American right. League instituted it and the uh, National League did not. And anyways, ever since then, there's been this debate about, um, first of all, whether it's it's useful, something you should have or not. And second of all, whether the National League should adopt it as well as the American League. Because it is pretty ridiculous that two leagues in the same sport have two very different, or you know, this, this one rule. But it's pretty different in terms of, of strategy and of building your right. team and of stuff like that.
0: Well, have we ever talked about the fact that Major League Baseball has two leagues?
2: Not really. Right? Like, hockey, I mean, we've mentioned it in doesn't
0: passing. have one league. We have like conferences, divisions. Mm-hmm, same yeah. for football. But mm-hmm. the fact that but the fact that baseball has two different leagues with two different sets of rules in and of right. itself is kind of fascinating.
1: Right, because it's the only sport that that's way that's that way. I mean, I know basketball used to, but I don't. But I think the last of the basketball leagues combined in the seventies. And now it's the National Basketball Association and the National Hockey League and the National Football League Mm -hmm. and like you do have the National Base. uh, What is it? National Baseball League or Baseball Major League League? Baseball? But it's but 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 but, no, there's like the National League League and the American League, right? Yeah, the National League's actual name.
2: Uh, what do you mean? Like the whole thing.
0: American yeah. League Baseball and National
2: League Baseball. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right? so Major League LB. Baseball and the major leagues, there's two of them, are National and American.
1: Right, but what's... So the National League is just called the National League with, like, no specification? MLB,
2: like, let's just call it No, 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 I understand. I know.
1: No, I understand that.
2: But there's no collective (laughs) noun, I think, is what we're trying to get at here. No, (laughs) no, that's okay. Never mind. Who's on first, anyway? (laughs) Um.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys, it's been a long day. Sorry, go
2: ahead. Yeah, it has. Anyway... So, I thought today we would get into some of the the pros and cons of the designated hitter, why people feel strongly one way or the other, and some people really do. Cuz okay. this is a
1: debate that's gone on for a while. Like this is something they talk about like every year about like making this
2: yes. standard
1: or not standard, right? Like yes. this is not. Okay.
2: Yeah, it is. It's been going on, you know, since the the DH was instituted in the in the AL. Um mm. And with the uh, collective bargaining agreements uh, set to expire in 2021, this is going to keep, this argument is going to keep coming up over the next year. Okay. Okay. So arguments in favor of the designated hitter. Um, So one you hear a lot is that it allows players who are still good hitters, they're toward the end of their career. They're maybe not able to, um, you know, run quite as quickly or field quite as, as well, you know, Often joint issues. Um, it allows them to keep playing for more years because all they have to do is walk up to the plate, hit the ball, hopefully hit a home run so they only have to jog around <laughs> the bases, don't have to run.
1: Fingers crossed.
2: Yeah. Um, it allows, uh, players who are kind of only good hitters, um, and, you know, may not be as good at other aspects of the games to play in the majors when otherwise they would be restricted to the minors. Um, it allows for something called a two-way player, um, uh, which is a pitcher who, uh, acts as a designated hitter on some of their off days. Um, and uh, this came back into the news recently because, uh, Shohei Otani, who plays for the Angels, is the first two-way player since Babe Ruth. Hmm. So uh, the argument that it allows for it is, uh, yeah, it does, <laughs> but in very, very limited cases.
1: But once every 50 years.
2: Yeah. Um, there have been some cases of pitchers DHing in a squeeze, I think, but not none that's like officially been, you know, pitcher one day DH another day. Mm-hmm. And it prevents pitchers from being injured while they are up to bat or running the bases. And also because pitchers tend to be lousy hitters because they focus on pitching. Uh, yes, Rebecca.
0: <laughs> so you said that it it prevents pitchers from getting injured doing regular baseball things. How yes. often do the pitchers actually get injured doing regular baseball things? And if you're a pitcher, you are therefore a baseball player. And shouldn't you be <laughs> like
2: practicing
0: and stretching and
2: We haven't gone to the cons yet here. Di- oh, okay. <laughs> these are, these are the, the arguments for the designated hitter. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I mean, it does sometimes happen. Um, you know, you, if you look at the National League stats for pitchers, you know, cause the pitchers have to hit there, how often they get hit. Um, but there's also that issue of professional courtesy that I talked about where pitchers tend to go easier on each other when they're hitting because they think, you know, that could be me next inning. So maybe I shouldn't piss this guy off. Um, so it does happen, but it's, it, I think it's somewhat rare. Um, I mean, the the argument there, I guess, is given the speed with which the pitches are coming in, you know, and it does happen. Players get hit in the hands, you know, especially um, if because pitchers are often asked to bunt because they don't hit particularly well. And if you don't bunt properly, you know, you're basically putting your finger between the ball and the bat, which is a, a bad recipe idea. for broken bones. Yes. So wait. You got
1: to define bunt, though. Sorry, give us the like the bullet point version of bunt.
2: Okay, so bunting is when instead of swinging the bat to hit the ball, you essentially Mm -hmm. turn around forward in the batter's box and hold the bat out such that the ball will hit it. There's no swing involved. But essentially, you want to cushion the, the velocity of the ball. So it just kind of bounces off and dribbles a little bit. Mm. Um, to kind of change things up and force the uh the pitcher or the catcher to deal with it instead of one of the other infielders or outfielders.
0: Now, when I do that, I'm accused of being a bad player. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. See, I haven't actually. I'm heard.
1: pretty sure bunting is specifically forbidden in a, Rachel's in my little softball league. I yeah. think that you are not allowed Ooh. to bunt because the 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 field is so small mm. that like it's considered.
2: Not worth it, I okay. guess. Yeah, and also, um, the way the ball comes in and softball, it kind of drops mm-hmm. in. So fast mm-hmm. pitch, you can do it because it's coming right at you. Um, but anyway, um, and some people think that makes for boring offensive play, but that's another deal. So pitchers often bunt. and. If they do it, they should be, if they're bunting a lot, they should be trained in how to properly bunt, obviously. This is one of the first things you learn when you start bunting is to not get your fingers in the way. Seems but wise. But, you know, it, it can happen and it does happen sometimes. Ugh. And the finally, for in uh, argument for the designated hitter, people say it makes for a more exciting offense because pitchers are usually easy outs and can slow down games, break up rallies, that kind of thing. Okay, so any questions about arguments against the DH? Okay, I'm going into teacher mode here, apparently. Um, (laughs) Do it. Do it. uh, That was arguments for the DH. I'm sorry. Arguments against the DH. So people who do not want to see the designated hitter throughout baseball. Every other fielder has to bat. So why not the pitcher? This is kind of what Rebecca was getting at. Yes. Yeah. Um, Why should pitchers get special treatment? Everybody else has Mm -hmm. to play offense. They can't specialize in their role as, you know, as a catcher or a first baseman. So why is it that the pitcher gets special treatment? Mm -hmm. Um, Also, sometimes pitchers are decent hitters. And it's genuinely exciting when a National League uh, pitcher gets a good hit or a home run. And there are some of those out there. I feel like Um,
1: I've
2: seen a couple. Yeah, it does happen. Um, Zach Granke with the Astros is known for being one. Um, Jose Fernandez with the Marlins, who um, passed away in in, uh, 2016. Part of the excitement over his career was that he was a a pitcher who'd shown himself to be a a really good batter, too.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, Another argument against the DH, it emphasizes power hitting, by which I mean home runs, over mm-hmm. small ball and fielding strategies, which um, some people s- makes for a more uh, boring defense. Um, mm-hmm. And finally, it eliminates double substitution strategies, which I kind of talked about last time, where you, in order to get a different hitter in the pitcher spot, you sub two people out, because um, thus mixing up the lineup.
0: You can sub the, the DH in and then somebody, sub somebody else in for the DH. No, no, no. I'm sorry, in the sub the somebody in for again. the pitcher
2: spot and then sub another player so you sub another player in for the pitcher spot and the pitcher in for that player spot oh, essentially then, swaps right. the two positions in the lineup
0: but then when you get back to the pitcher again you can put somebody else in again yes got
2: it um okay though i honestly i think it's a plus that it eliminates those strategies because i think they're kind of ridiculous and if you want to sub out an infielder you know sub out another position player just yeah okay so those are kind of the major arguments um any questions about that so Rachel what's your take on this What do you want to see um so and I think that
1: you support
2: Yes. Which so I have been in, supporting so uh, the Marlins, who are a National League team, which does not use the designated hitter. And so the pitchers have to bat. Honestly, I, I kind of prefer that. I, I fall in the camp of every other fielder has to bat, so why not the pitcher? You know, I think part of the game is playing both offense and defense. Um However, I can see I'm I'm not as much a diehard on this as I am on, on some other things because currently the way baseball is, again, you got the, the velocity issue. You've got this the way the system is now. Did I write some more about this? Okay. Yeah, I did. Okay. I, I was like, I, I thought I took some notes about my own thoughts. Um <laughs> So, for me, so that. Organized. Yeah, I know. It's, it's in here somewhere. For me, the most persuasive <laughs> no, no, element. No, no, no. I that... meant you're actually so organized <laughs> oh, that you take
1: I... <laughs> notes on your own thoughts.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, so the most persuasive element is that all players should develop both offense and defensive skills. I think the current isolation of pitchers from the rest of the team um, and the emphasis on pitching velocity above everything else is actually hurting the game. So, essentially, you have a system that gets, identifies pitchers. Uh, people who might be good pitchers early on and then streams them solely into pitching, practicing pitching, getting able to throw as fast as they possibly can. And from that point on, um, you know, starting after high school, basically, because I think they start doing this in college, too, where they're really funneling people into and the idea is if you want to get into the major leagues, you have to focus on nothing but pitching. So within that system, that's when it becomes kind of dangerous for pitchers to start hitting you know, because they haven't maybe hit since high school. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so within this current system, it does kind of make sense. But that seems um, like
0: it's easily fixed,
2: doesn't it? it? It would take kind of generations of, of players at this point, though, okay. to fix that um, To fix that fixation on velocity. You know, and even if you took away the, uh, you know, on the, the backboard and on the, not the backboard, the jumbotron whatever and the on the the display at home of what the pitching velocity is because that's a lot of what fans focus on now too Mm -hmm. how fast Mm -hmm. can a human throw a baseball um so people want to know now yeah how fast is this person how hard are they throwing the ball so it would take fixing the entire mindset which I honestly think would be a good goal because I think it, you know, it burns pitchers out too fast. And again, it kind of mm-hmm. isolates them from the rest of their players. You've got pitchers and you've got everybody else, but, um, but the I way mean, if that we're going to change yeah.
0: mindset in a sport, we should probably focus on something different. I mean kind of in I guess I was the one who said we weren't going to be a socialist pod tonight but uh, <laughs> and I'm breaking my own thing. But <laughs> no please bring socialism into the designated hitter discussion. I think it needs it. <laughs> I mean we had we had this whole conversation last time about about cultural changes that are needed. And so mm-hmm. I guess if we're going to focus on changing a part of the culture in baseball or any sport it should be on the more global, like inclusivity, equity issues, rather than how fast you hit a baseball.
1: So this would be like, uh, um, oh, I have
2: completely lost the word
1: <laughs> exceptionalism. Pitching exceptionalism. <laughs> down with down with that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess you could also make the argument that, like, if somebody is just really good at pitching and not good at, you know, fielding as good at fielding the ball. I mean, pitchers do sometimes have to field, but you'll notice the commentators are like, Oh, you see, he's a really good athlete because he can pick up the ball when it rolls toward him. Um, (laughs) You know, that it, it allows somebody to, um, who might not otherwise get to play to play, you know, kind of, kind of cuts both ways there though.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's true for the designated hitter too, but like, if
2: that's the game,
1: that's the game. Right. Like, if you, you know, if you're only good at one really, really, really specific skill, but you want to be in a sport that requires at least a rudimentary ability in other skills, then like, you gotta get to that point, right? Yeah. Like, you know, in basketball, you do get guys who are exceptional shooters and terrible on defense, but you can only play them so much, you know, yeah. you can only play them against certain teams or you're going to get killed. So,
2: I mean, I mean, you could argue that it's a, a, a an outcropping of increased specialization across society as a whole. Yep. Um, so there's that. And um, that's
1: what's brought us social media.
2: <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um. <laughs> Oh Petey. so for a lot of people, it's about tradition too, because they see the the designated hitter as um uh, you know violating that tradition of of all players have to play offense and defense and i you know I never want to become a slave to tradition, especially in baseball terms where it seems like everybody's argument is that's the way it's always been done. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be someone who's afraid of change in my sports <laughs> um. And I think the general opinion um, that I I kind of share at this point is that many people believe it's only a matter of time before the National League breaks down and accepts the the designated hitter, too. Um, The Players Union wants it because, again, it can extend careers and allow uh, players who may not otherwise get a chance Mm -hmm. in the majors Mm -hmm. to play. So if Um, there's
0: a change, it's going to be that everybody accepts the designated hitter, not that you get rid of the designated hitter.
2: That's kind of the accepted mood in the fandom. Um,
0: Baseball fandom.
2: Yeah. And so, I mean, some people keep saying that it'll ruin the sport um, as if, you know, 3000 other things, (laughs) like including, you know, performance enhancing drugs haven't ruined the hell out of the sport. Anyway. Um, But that's you know you'll get some people complaining about that. Ball
0: on fire, that's going to ruin the sport. If you start playing (laughs) with like (laughs) a nectarine, (laughs) yeah, I would watch that game. If you start playing with like an apple instead of a baseball, that's going to ruin the game. Changing a rule like (laughs) that is not going to ruin the fundamental game of baseball.
1: All right, can you imagine if they were like if they soaked the baseballs in like alcohol or something and lit them on fire before they threw
2: them?
0: Okay, you're I right. Would I watch would watch the that. hell
2: out of that, right? I would yeah. watch that. Come on. All right, baseball and like no. part, of, or part of the ball <laughs> is like a strike anywhere match. So when it hits the oh, best certain oh. hits, you never know which it's hits genius. are going to light it, the ball on it, fire.
0: So So, all right. So here, I think that if you start with a flaming ball, the playing field is even right Mm. because the pitcher has to deal with the flaming ball the batter has to deal with the flaming ball and they're they're on opposite teams but if the pitcher is dealing with a not a flame ball Mm -hmm. throws it to the hitter who lights it a flame like that's a benefit to the hitter and not the people on the field
2: unless they all have asbestos gloves
1: (laughs) so we're going to bring back asbestos (laughs) what if we could like put a firework inside the strike the Ooh. scratch anywhere baseball so that like if they hit that right spot it just like explodes <laughs> and that's an
2: automatic home run yes yeah, yeah there you go
1: because the ball has disintegrated and you cannot field it any further all right
2: yeah so i like it all right. i'm gonna add it to my list of things to change when i'm commissioner <laughs> this, this feels we'll like,
1: support you in your bid th- this feels like the version
0: of Of baseball that's going to be on ESPN 8, the Ocho.
1: (laughs) Hell yes. (laughs) I'm so here for it. So, Rachel, I have a baseball question for you. I have a baseball answer for you. I was so bored this week that I was folding laundry and listening to baseball podcasts, which is like... Oh, my. I know. I know. That's very bored. It was very bored. (laughs) So but so they were talking about this they were talking about you know the designated hitter and they were talking about flaming baseballs no (laughs) that would have been much more interesting if i would tune into that podcast more often (laughs) um so they were talking about the designated hitter and they were saying basically what you're saying that it's it's basically accepted at this point that like probably this is where things are going and they're gonna try it for the short season excuse me and um The comment, the podcasters were saying, um, that they were both like basically on board with like some of the same reservations you have, but one of them was saying that he thought that it was too bad that, you know, if, if they do it for this short season and then in the off season they vote to make it like a permanent change, then people who are in the, the National League and don't like designated hitters, have already seen their last game without designated hitters and hmm. like will never get to like see another. And so he was saying like what he would have liked to have happened would have been like if they're gonna make this decision, fine, but like give it a final season in the existing way. Yeah. So I was thinking about that and I was like, okay, I kinda get that but on the other hand, I'm basically always a proponent of like rip that
2: fucking band aid. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious what your take on that would be. Well I mean, I would be kind of nice just as someone who personally likes to mark the end of things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that very well could happen because the bargaining agreement isn't up until after mm. the 2021 season. So but I think that... you could see Sorry, one more on. full season of um, National League without the DH and then it switches over. Okay. You don't think or that would just, just give people in.
1: like a, a year to like piss and moan about it?
2: I mean, they're going to piss and moan anyway. That's fair. It's sports fans. It's baseball fans. Ooh. <laughs> burn!
0: Um, but even if they changed it in the next CBA, you wouldn't necessarily know that this was the last year that they're going to do the DH, right?
2: Yeah. I I guess there could be kind of like an informal understanding or the league could actually come out and say, okay, you know, this is something we're going to yeah. put in the agreement. Yeah, so I believe that this, this season actually does get played, which they're saying now is going to happen, that the DH mm-hmm. will enter the National League permanently within the next couple of years. It's not really that big a deal for day-to-day gameplay, but it will affect how managers build their teams and how they use their pitchers throughout the game. Um, ultimately, I think, and I kind of alluded to this before, that the DH reflects this current emphasis on home runs over actually putting the ball into play. Mm-hmm. Um and the fact the pitchers often don't even practice hitting after high school. Wow. Yeah.
0: So so Rachel, as a as a long-term fan of baseball, do you? do you would you prefer it if every single hit was a home run or if every single hit resulted in some like action on the field?
2: Action on the field is more interesting to watch, honestly. Um, you know, because right now you've got record numbers of home runs and also record numbers of strikeouts. And, and you know, boring. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I would like to see the emphasis go back on so-called small ball, um, which is hitting within the park. Um, and obviously, you know, that still does happen um, to some extent, sure. but um, yeah, I mean, you don't get to see as many cool defensive plays like, you know, Lorean.o bombing the the ball from the outfield into the first baseman's glove. Um, Those are plenty exciting, too. Um, And, you know, these things are cyclical, too. Sure. Um, You know, and as the emphasis goes off pitcher velocity and off launch angle for hitting home runs, I think, you know, we'll kind of cycle back to that. So that's just where the game is right now. Okay. Yeah, this
1: was something... Sorry, Rebecca. No, no, no. no. I was just going to say, this was something that came up one of the first times I went to a baseball game with Rachel because the A's are American League and do have a designated hitter, and they put you know the the hitting order, batting order up on the jumbotron, and they list everybody's stats next to it, right? Yes. And like the designated hitter didn't have a very good stat. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> his whole job is literally to hit. Like, yeah. shouldn't his stat be one of the better ones? But no. Then Rachel had to explain to me that it's not that he hits as frequently maybe as the other folks, but that when he does hit, he hits home runs. So it's like a higher percentage of his actual contact is going to be really, really good versus sure. other folks. Yeah, and it, just... it
2: would be a, a strategy to put, you know, somebody who hits really frequently in the DH spot, but that's just not what's done right now. Right now, mm-hmm. it's all power hitters all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Um, well, before we move on to our next topic, I do want to circle back around to the conversation about the Bay Bridge series, the Oakland A's versus the Giants. They have faced mm-hmm. each other in the World Series four times. <gasps> wow. Uh, the most recent was 1989.
2: Oh. oh, so after the A's were already in Oakland. Okay. I was thinking so, like it might have happened mm-hmm. when they were in Philadelphia, but go Yeah, on, that would please. have made so,
0: sense. So, the A's beat the Giants four nothing in 1989, or I guess that's nice. four games to none. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: before that, it was 1913, 1911, and 1905.
2: Okay, okay
1: so it's been a while.
2: Okay, it's you know, I while. think I even knew that about the 1989 World Series, and it just skipped my I don't mind. I do know so, why so you, you didn't remember
1: that. You were like four years old. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well,
0: thank you for for. Uh, for following up on the designated hitter and uh, for entertaining our questions.
2: <laughs> sure, we'll see if this follow-up thing happens more often. Yeah, I think
0: yeah, I well. I, mean, I you
1: think
2: know. we just
0: need to write these things
1: down. That hey, dude, <laughs> I made a whole spreadsheet. I don't know what you're talking about. I
0: actually consulted the spreadsheet today as I was preparing for the episode.
1: So I'm aware. That's of the amazing. <laughs> That's amazing, and I applaud your efforts, my I mean, friend.
0: Well, don't applaud too hard, because didn't, I didn't actually pull anything <laughs> in that was on the list into today's episode, but hey, I maybe steps. Maybe at steps. The list. <clears throat> yeah. I remembered that there was a list.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah. We will go from there. Okay, good.
0: <coughs> so, Nancy, you have gone into women's
1: soccer. I have. In the uh, last I have. one week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe a maybe week and a half. Okay, so... <laughs> So this is um Rachel you going to live there? Yeah, little T went down the wrong tube. Sorry about that. Uh, all right, good. Uh yes, yeah, so women's soccer. So so I have never followed soccer. I did not follow it in high school. Uh, I did not follow it in college. I re when I my office the past few years I had a couple coworkers who were pretty into it. Um and i discovered a friend of mine from college was really into it and so i kind of um the women's world cup of soccer happened not last summer but the summer before i think i want to say it was 2018 and not 2019 but i don't remember for sure
2: that's um,
1: right yeah i think it was 2018 uh and my office uh in a a very good show of equity, uh, because they had played the uh, men's World Cup of soccer, like in the break room on the, you know, projected Mm -hmm. it on the wall, also projected the women's uh, soccer up on the wall. And so, you know, for lack of anything better to do with my lunch break, I went and watched some of it. And I really enjoyed it. um, And really liked it then. And, you know, rooted for the women's national team and, and so on, or US women's national team, and so on. Um, but one of the things with women's soccer is that it is hard to watch because it's not carried on major channels Yeah, (sighs) because women's sports. Um, So I kind of like, I was interested at that point, but I did not particularly follow up on it. And this is something that we have all talked about before, which is that we would all like to be more into women's sports, but men's sports are easier to be into because they're a lot easier to access. Well, Uh, women's soccer is working on changing that which is terrific Uh, so one of the reasons that I was so gung-ho for this is that um, not only is women's soccer the first sport back um, they managed to get a contract with CBS so that they the first game they played and I believe the last game they'll play they're playing this thing called the challenge cup that is like a month long it started on Saturday, it's going to go through like the end of July. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, and the first and last game were broadcast on CBS, not CBS Sports, not CBS, whatever. Wow! Actual CBS, like actual broadcast oh, television, actual broadcast television. Wow! Live during the day with women commentators. Uh, and yeah, that was really it, cool.
2: I'd it was was say remarkable. I caught a few minutes of it, and it was it was neat.
1: It was really cool. I really, really liked it, and I wanted to like you know make noise about it and and put you know up their viewership statistics and whatever because I want them to keep taking this seriously. And uh, the rest of the games are all on CBS All Access, which I already have a subscription to. So because Star Trek, because Star Trek, uh, because Star Trek. <laughs> so now I can get uh, <laughs> now I can get my Star Trek. And my women's soccer on the same <laughs> channel. And I'm like, yes, we are doing the thing. Uh, so a few things, um, about this game that I thought were really, really terrific. Um, first of all, first sport to come back women's soccer. Uh, it has been kind of a bumpy road. There are nine teams, but one of them, the Orlando Pride, had to withdraw because they had a bunch of players test positive
0: yeah, uh, for sadly.
1: the plague uh, shortly before things started. Um, so they had to reshuffle the schedule. Uh, they're playing in Utah. They're all staying in one place and playing on one field in Utah because there is a Utah team, the Utah Royals. Um <clears throat> And they all, uh, for the game, came out in Black Lives Matter t-shirts for warm-up. All of the staff, all of the coaching staff were wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts. The two teams that played the inaugural game, and remember, this is on CBS. This is real broadcast television, which they have never been on before. Uh, they the two teams that were playing released statements prior to the game uh, about Black Lives Matter and about standing up for, for human rights. And uh, then all of the players knelt for the national anthem. Wow. Yeah. It was Powerful. really impressive. That's amazing. Yeah. And during the play, many, I don't think all, so I'd be interested to know like who decided to do this and why, but a significant portion of the players and the staff were wearing Black Lives Matter armbands so that basically any time you looked at the TV, you saw somebody with something on them that read Black Lives Matter. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So it was awesome. It was really cool. Um, so, so
0: out of curiosity, what what could you get a sense of the racial breakdown of the, team that, the teams that were playing? I'm just curious. Yeah, so, I don't know what so- the... I don't know what the percentage of of black to non-black players are right. in the women's soccer. Look
1: Looking it up I right mean, it, now. See it's so. heavily white. It's definitely heavily white, but it was it was more diverse than I had expected, honestly. And and looking back, I think that's because um, when I was watching the Women's World Cup, I was seeing a lot of mostly white teams because they're by nationality. And so, like, you know, Sweden's team is mostly white and like Belgium's team is most, you know, like they tend to be fairly sure. homogenous, most of them. Um, but that's not as true of the, of the U.S. team. No, um, and so seeing multiple U.S. teams, they're, f- they're more diverse than I expected. There were a few Latina players as well. Um, but still mostly white. Rachel, did you find the, any luck so Yes, far?
2: this is from 2015. So it's a little behind the times. Um, and it's talking about the women's national soccer team rather than the- um, Sure, okay. The soccer league. Let's see, where are the actual statistics? It's, it's an interesting article. I should come back to it. Um, America's current pay-to-play youth soccer system is one of the reasons racial diversity is lacking in the U.S. women's national team.
1: Mm, that checks so see out where yeah. the
2: statistics yeah. are,
1: but yeah, there were definitely significant black players um and and black players who are you know stars who are very good and who are important in the game um and and it also seems like just from a casual observation I watched. The first game, and then I watched the second game, which are the only two that they've they've had so far. So on four different teams, it also seemed like the younger players are a more diverse demographic than the older ones. So that's promising.
2: Okay, that's I found great. it in the article. Um, and it, it co- actually compares the U.S. Women's National Team um, and the roster of 25 names back in 2015. Uh, four were women of color. Um, the National Women's Soccer League fares better simply by virtue of having a larger player pool. Um mm-hmm. 22%, 22.1% okay. were women of color with 13% so, yeah. black, 5% um, Hispanic or Latina.
1: Okay. Yeah. I would have guessed about 30. So, so yeah, that could be maybe in the last five years they've upped it a bit. Um. So yeah, it was not, you know, it was mostly, mostly white women, but, but not entirely. Um. And one of the things that was interesting. So for the first game, Everybody knelt. It was across the board. Um, everybody did it for the second game. Not everybody did. Uh, still, the majority um, knelt, and those who were not kneeling were like holding hands with the people on either side of them. You know, so it was still very much a "we are all here together," which. I have complicated feelings about, and I would be really interested to hear some of them talk about how they made those decisions. But yeah, but that's a whole hornet's nest of its own. Um, But in this, in the the national, during the national anthem for the second game, there were two players who really, there was a, a black player who really was like having an emotional moment and a white player who was comforting her, which was, you know, like, as a human being, like a wonderful thing to see that like these two players were, you know, so close and like having this, this moment, but it of course got seized on by the media and by capitalism immediately. And became, yeah, I like, saw that picture the everywhere. image, right yeah. everywhere. Um, and so that then becomes this thing of like, is this exploiting that player's response? Is yes. this, I mean, yeah, <laughs> right, like we can answer that. Um, is it, good to show how meaningful these gestures actually are? Or is this just like, um, performative. Thank you. Performative. Right. Um, so, so I thought that was interesting. Um, so those are all extraneous to the, to the games. The games were really fun. Um, both teams I was rooting for lost, but who cares?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're all adopting teams, right? Yeah,
1: uh-huh, uh-huh, Yeah.
2: Mine. Mine would have been the Pride, but since they're all right. playing, um, I'm going with the North Carolina Courage. Mm-hmm. I did go to undergrad in North Carolina. I feel like the Southeast should be represented. Okay.
1: Well, and it turns out the North Carolina Courage are a good choice because they have been the champions multiple times and played their little butts yeah, off. Yeah, they, uh, was, they uh, may terrific. have
2: uh, beaten your team in that, yeah, uh, that in first fact. game. How about that? <laughs> Sure my team?
1: The Washington Spirit. You're going for the Washington Spirit. Got it. Yeah. And, and my favorite player on them is Rose Lavelle. She's amazing. She was on the national team and she's still co- just great. She came out and scored one of the two goals that they, they scored to win the game. Um, and I think was involved in the other goal, even though she didn't score it. So. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're interesting. I want you to read up on them because there was an athletic article that I looked at but didn't read that was talking about how they have, redone basically their entire team in the last year or two. Like I think they have eleven new players this year, which is a lot.
0: Yeah. Um I mean how and, many players are on a team?
1: Uh I mean it's closer to baseball than to like basketball, but yeah, I want to say like twenty-five or thirty. Um so but still that's you know nearly half. Yeah. Um and from from context clues, um what I gather is that like they, they did not have a good team and they did not have a good team feeling. And I don't know why I'd be interested to find out why. And they've changed everything. And now they're, excuse me, coming out, you know, to, to have a new, new lease on life, new, new team spirit, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And then I was rooting for the Portland Thorns who, who did, you know, really quite well. They played the courage and I don't think anybody scored until like the 80th minute. Um, so they were, they were doing pretty well. Um, and then the Chicago Red Stars, uh, who also did, you know, they, they did respectably. Um, oh, uh, going for a Chicago team. I know. It's, does it's it the hurt? battle. It does. It does. It always does. But there's like nothing else anywhere, you know? All Southern Illinoisans at some point hold their nose and root for Chicago. Like, it's just, (laughs) it's part of what we do. It's part of what we do. It's like, you know, if you grew up in Illinois, you were for the Bulls, because like, the next closest basketball team is Nashville. I guess the Pacers. But, (laughs) but she said some disgust. Are you
0: in, in Illinois, are you, ethically allowed to root for somebody in Indiana?
1: Well, see, all of Illinois that's not Chicago hates Chicago, so yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes, 75% of the state's population lives in Chicago in the suburbs and routinely dicks over the rest of the state. Okay, so the so, rest of
0: the state is basically Indiana.
1: Uh, no, the rest of the state is basically <laughs> Kentucky. Uh, oh, alright.
0: Alright,
1: okay. <laughs> um, so... You know, growing up, if you have an option of a St. Louis sports team and you're in Southern Illinois, you go for that. So, like, we always rooted for the Cardinals okay. or, like, the St. Louis Rams mm-hmm. or, like, the definitely Blues. Southern Illinoisans would go for the Blues over the Blackhawks. Like, that's a thing. Well, but St. Louis doesn't have a basketball team, you know, okay. so okay. then you go for the Bulls. And, yeah, St. Louis does not have a women's soccer team. So... Okay. <sighs> The Chicago Red Stars. Well, you're welcome to
0: join me in supporting the Washington Spirit.
1: <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. I think f- Thorns are going to be my main team. And then, like, uh, the the OL Reign are going to be my backup team. Because they're the team that my friend Mandy, who we should have as a guest, uh, I'm putting this all in our brains, to explain soccer to us. Uh, and also, my uh, all my soccer friends go for the Reign. So, uh, and they have a really good logo and good colors. So, like, mm, uh you know all the important things and they've got uh Megan Rapinoe who's baller as fuck so who also has good uh, colors also has good colors <laughs> and is dating a member of the WNBA so you know also good taste mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> uh so the games were good i really enjoyed them i i still only barely understand soccer i definitely sit and watch it and think There is no universe in which I ever could have been a good soccer player because you have to run so fast. Oh, my gosh. And And so much. Yeah, but even when I was running, like, I was an endurance runner, not, like, a sprinter. Like, I would not, you know, mm -mm, not going to happen. So it's fascinating. Um, And it's, you know, it's fun. I could could get into it. I think I'm going to get into it. The next games are on Tuesday. Uh, Let's see. Who's playing?
0: are they still on cbs
1: Uh, they're on cbs all access two games tuesday june 30th uh 10 30 a.m and 8 p.m that's mountain time um so 9 30 and 7 for me uh 11 30 no 12 30 and 10 for you (laughs) um but yeah they've got a lot of games coming up uh Tuesday is going to be the Houston Dash and the Utah Royals. I'll have to root for the Royals, obviously. Um, And then in the evening, the OL Rain and the Sky Blue, Um, which is confusing to me. I guess Sky Blue is based in like Jersey or something, but the women's, the WNBA team in Chicago is the Chicago Sky. So I I was like, wait, are there two Chicago games? Is it two Chicago teams? No, no. Mm -mm. Um, Sky Blue's is supposed to be a pretty good team, also, I think. Um, anyway, that's my, that's my soccer report. Everybody oh. should go watch soccer. It was super fun.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I would be interested to learn a little bit more about the, uh, uh strategies and such because, you know, not having played it, well, I, except for that one time I was keel hauled onto a Singaporean soccer team. <laughs> um, I, I've never I'm really sorry, played. What? Um,
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, this is going to be one of those moments where we pause and you expand on what you just said.
2: Uh-huh. Um, so I, you know, other than like <laughs> PE in elementary school, I never really played soccer. And that was just kind of like, okay, you kick the ball in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I studied abroad in Australia, it's another long story, but I ended up making um, friends with a lot of Singaporean and Malaysian students. Mm-hmm. And they needed people for their soccer team. And they begged me to be on their soccer team. And so I was pretty good shape back then. I was in Australia. I was walking everywhere and I was like, yeah, I used to play sports. You know, I could do this. And I was, (laughs) it turned out like I was physically one of the larger women they had, which is Uh, sure. I am not a a tall person. Very small. Yeah. Um, but I was like, sure, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Why not? Um, I lasted about five minutes
1: (laughs) running around like
2: that. Uh, So eventually they stuck me in the goal and were just like, try to get in the way. And I was like, I can do that. Um, Yeah. So I, you know, I gained a new respect for how difficult soccer is, but uh, not really one for how the game is actually played other than, you know, Mm -hmm. kick it that direction, get in the way of the people that are kicking it the other direction um and thus you know watching soccer yeah i mean (laughs) that's still the basic strategy i understand that but there's also like this person stays in this part of the field yes um so watching it i i don't really feel like i get much out of watching it i realize it's incredibly difficult and i have enormous respect Mm -hmm. for the players but i watch it and you know what is that Simpsons bit about low scoring games and ties, ties, ties. Um, you know, I just, I guess I don't really have an appreciation for that part of it. So I'd be interested to learn. Yeah. More.
1: I definitely think we need to get Mandy on to like, tell us about soccer. Um, Cause she's super into it. Um, and, 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 you know, in the way that, that I love seeing people be into stuff where it's just like, she's really excited about it. Yeah. Um, so, Anyway, I'll follow up on that. Yeah, we will. will follow up on something. <laughs> <Whoa>.
0: <laughs> write it down. I'm, everybody write it down. <laughs> I'm going on a quarantine-cation with some friends this week. Like, oh, nice. We have all agreed that we are each other's bubble. So mm-hmm. this this is going to be a full contact house that we're in. I think there are going to be seven of us. Um, mm-hmm. And a couple of them are really into soccer. So if I can, oh, perfect. If I oh, can interesting. get to watch a game with one or two yeah. of them, maybe I can get some... I'll remember. To, I'll try to remember to take notes. I mean,
1: yeah, you should absolutely do that. The, so the games are like Tuesdays and Wednesdays, Saturdays and Sundays. Okay,
0: all right, we can do For, that. Yeah. I mean, the caveat is we are all bringing an intense amount of alcohol, so
1: that'll just make <laughs> it better.
0: <laughs> so I can't actually promise I'll remember what we talk about, but I will try to take <laughs> notes as we do, and hopefully,
2: yeah, you can always record well. some of it.
1: You knew that's not
2: happening.
1: Nice try, Rachel. It'll be the teaser for our next episode. (laughs) New. (laughs) (laughs) No. You could
2: tweet about it. That I could do.
0: I can do that. I can do that. All right. Yeah. We'll turn.
2: Yeah, turn the Twitter account over to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It'll be like when I covered the Super Bowl.
1: That was excellent. That was quality content. That was
0: amazing. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Um, so before we before we move on to our next topic, um, I I'm going to do one of my circle back things. So in our in a, the intro, I mentioned the um, facility hygiene officer.
2: So mm. oh right,
0: that came from my reading of the 22 page um, <laughs> NHL phase two return to play document. Twenty-two
1: page. The NBA's is one hundred and thirteen. Really? Uh huh.
0: <laughs> That's fascinating. Honestly, I was I was shocked. Baseball is
1: three paragraphs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my <God. laughs> oh
0: my god. Um. So so the NHL's. This is only like the the phase two. So it's one mm-hmm. specific phase, not the yeah. Right. Um. But now I kind of want to look at the the NBA's. But, it's so, thorough. I was actually shocked by how thorough the NHL's plan was because I don't have a lot of faith in this league when it comes to personal safety of the players, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's reinforced by how they treat injuries, everything? especially yeah. injuries. Yeah, yeah everything. Yeah. Um, So I was reading it anticipating being frustrated and annoyed by it, but... There was some actually some really good stuff in there. Like, I mean, at the very at the very outset, they say that none of the none of the teams can require a player to come back.
1: Oh, good.
0: Now, that is good. I mean, on paper, you can't require someone to come back. But of course, there's always the pressure, peer pressure, you know, peer pressure, coach pressure, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm I worry appreciate- that you're going to get replaced. But I appreciate that the NHL actually came out and said that the club cannot mm-hmm. reti- require um, people to come back. Um, yeah. They also made more of a conscientious effort to have these little like team bubbles than I expected. So one of the rules is, if you come to practice, there can be no more than six players on the ice or doing a practice together at a time. And those six players cannot change on a day-to-day or a week-to-week basis. So it's Mm -hmm. not like today I can come in with six players and tomorrow I can come in with three of the same from today Mm -hmm. and two different, Mm -hmm. right? So you got little like
2: practice pods? Yes,
0: yes. And there's an athletic trainer and a medical person and somebody else like that are all assigned Mm -hmm. to each group as possible to minimize the amount of like, cross contamination interpersonally which frankly right. is is honestly more than I thought the NHL would do but one of the things that kept coming up in the in the document was this facility hygiene officer and I was I was joking with one of my friends about whether this was an existing position or a new position and then I got to page 15 and found out that it is in <laughs> fact a new position so it's um It's an individual who will be responsible for overseeing, implementing and ensuring compliance with all aspects of this phase two protocol. They must be a nurse occupational health and safety professional or infection prevention and control professional, which again, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by because the NHL does not have a good history of taking care of its players and they value the players because of their monetary value more than everyone else in the system. So mm-hmm. to actually be assigning a specific person with a background in understanding health and safety to be overseeing this thing I was I was shocked by and again pleasantly so. Um, mm-hmm. Now it, you know this goes back to the whole NHL culture like I shouldn't be, shocked and surprised pleasantly so that they are doing a baseline of care for their players and staff, Mm -hmm. but I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so anyway, I just wanted to, I just, I mean, I know I was very pessimistic about, uh, the NHL in the last episode. I still don't Mm -hmm. think we should be coming back. I still don't think any sports should be coming back. I don't think Mm -hmm. offices should be opening up. And, um, But I I was pleasantly surprised by how seriously and conscientiously the NHL is addressing Mm -hmm. the safety concerns for the players and the staff in the arenas, the staff, team members, all of this kind of stuff. Um, That was that was pleasantly surprising. So go
1: ahead. Yeah, I think so. This is a thing, right? Like I've been so happy and so excited about you know women's soccer being the first thing back, and and how cool it is that they were on broadcast TV and all of that. And and I feel like it's one of those things where it's like I don't actually think they should be doing it. Right. I don't think anybody should be doing it. <laughs> yeah. But given that they are, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm glad that you know I'm glad that women's sports gets to be the first back. I'm glad that they used it to make a statement. They were all, you know, everybody on the bench was wearing masks. Like the second they got back off the field, they'd put on a
2: mask. They all wore masks to and from, you know, like, yeah, and it's also a much smaller league. So you've got a smaller number. of yeah, people. it is a much involved. smaller number of
1: people involved. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's one of those where it's like, I I was heartened to see what I saw, mm-hmm. at least if they're going to do this ill-advised thing um the question that i feel like i keep coming up against for all of these things reopening because they all are all talking about reopening at this point in a very serious way uh, and the question that i can't hear anybody actually answering with any sort of concrete specificity is we seem to have all accepted that there will be at least a few cases like <laughs> some players going to get it some coach is going to get it how many is too many yeah at what point you know I was saying this to to my partner today I was saying you know like how many is too many is it three is it five is it several players and a coach is it if it's just one team do you drop that team out if it's across several you know and he said to me well in March it was one (laughs) and I was like yep Mm (laughs) That changed fast.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so I, the problem is if they, you know, actually do open back up and they don't, you know, quash this before it happens, that's the worry, right? That they're just going to keep going until there's, you know, literally not enough people on the field well, to play. right.
1: Because, I mean, where do you draw that
0: line? So um, I, I have two two pieces to that. Um, mm-hmm. On June 19th, the NHL announced 11 players who were officially in phase two um, had tested positive um, since then four more players in phase two have tested positive um, however there are an additional 11 players who haven't been part of this phase 2 controlled environment but have been mm-hmm. doing whatever sort of practice on their own who have also tested positive positive. Um, and that's that's just players so Mm I fully agree with you. There are going to be people who get sick and apparently that's just an acceptable risk for the league at this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, but to your, to your point, Nancy, I was, so I work at a university and I was reading an article from um, the journal inside higher ed. And one of the mm -hmm. things that they talked about was anybody who opens needs to have, metrics set in advance for Mm. when they reach their threshold Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. how many uh how many illnesses how many hospitalizations how many deaths
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and frankly i don't think anyone is doing that because they're because they don't actually want to face the reality that people are going to get sick based on the decisions that they're making
2: yep
1: Yep, I think you're entirely correct.
2: Yeah, it might take an actual death before, or
1: at least a very serious case. Yeah. So yeah.
0: So my university um, has a uh, cellular biology and molecular genetics department. One of the mm-hmm. faculty members in that department studies viruses. He's a virologist. Mm-hmm. He actually studies SARS strains he got COVID. And like, he's written this incredible article about what it was like to be a virologist studying this and then also getting it right. And yet my university is still talking about reopening.
1: Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. I mean, California is facing it. You know, it's one of those like, we had such a good lock on it. Mm -hmm. And then our governor kind of caved to some of the more conservative counties that were giving him shit about it. Oh. And now, and also L.A. is full of morons. And <laughs> well, so apparently is the a country hot is. And a hot is spot. Very they're, densely they're not well, packed, packed with in morons in L.A. <laughs> densely packed with morons in L.A. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, my friends who live in L.A. I think <laughs> you already know this, actually. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 And I mean, we knew that about the country, but boy, is it being illustrated. Yeah. yeah.
2: And MLB, like, it, I think the 22nd, it came out that 40 players had tested positive. And the very next day, they announced, mm-hmm. MLB's back. We're coming back, baby. And yep. it was just very much a life comes at you fast moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Life doesn't Ugh. have to come at you fast.
0: Like, <laughs> life can come at Some you Some of slow. it's controllable. Yeah. We, we have the ability to slow down and not let this happen. And I need to calm down, but I've had a lot of fun tonight.
1: <laughs> I
2: mean, do we need to calm down, though? Yeah, no, I could tell you about baseball's reopening plan, which is in quotation marks. I p- uh, Apparently you could read it to us
0: in its entirety.
2: Yeah. So uh, <laughs> there is, they say, some kind of, like, binder what they say? Comprehensive operations manual that's been distributed to all the teams, but it's not available mm, to the public. Reassuring. And, you know, the information that is available to the public is mostly about like trade deadlines and how they're going to do rosters and stuff like that. The so, important things. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So as of right now, non-spring spring training starts July 1st, which is in what, three, two, three days? Yeah. Uh, oh each God, club will be is. at its own ballpark or facility, so not Florida and Arizona unless they started in Florida and Arizona.
0: Well, because um, God, like, why would you send everybody to Florida and Arizona right now? <laughs> like, you're <laughs> literally just asking for the whole league to get sick if you send yeah, them to you're sending the them to a the two hot two worst places yeah. in the country.
2: Yeah. Um, so the thought is, they have three weeks of spring training. Uh, season will start July 23rd or 24th. I'm not sure why they couldn't just pick a day and go with it, but sure. Um, This is all theoretical still at this point. Um, So it would be a 60-game season. Um, People are going to play within their divisions. So West Coast plays West Coast. East Coast plays East Coast. Middle of the country plays Middle of the Country. Um, Designated hitter for everybody. We talked about that. Um, Smaller rosters, different trade deadlines. Interestingly, they're trying to shorten the games. Um, if there are extra innings, and this is another, um, change that's been talked about and even implemented at the college level. Um, extra innings will start with one base runner on second base. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because a lot of the problem with extra innings is just getting anybody on base to start with. So if you start with a base runner, Mm -hmm. you know, one, one good hit will send a base runner from second base home. Um, Mm-hmm. so that's wow. something they're going to experiment with yeah they do, and they do that in college now i believe so i believe they started it in college it may be a runner on first base in college okay. um no i think
1: they were saying second because i saw this and i thought it was really interesting yeah. yeah
2: it's something that's been in the works to kind of shorten you know games that go on for like 18 innings and mm-hmm. at some point you put in runners okay so the uh, the postseason, they're saying, would essentially be the same, like same number of teams, same everything. Um, so as far as prevention um, measures, what they're saying, and they have a neat little graphic, because if you can put it in graphic form, it's, it's okay. Um, Yay! Players, coaches, and staff are tested every other day with temperature. And uh, so the full test every other day and then temperature checks and symptom checks twice a day. Which, you know, you hope is more than, do you have a temperature or symptoms? Um, And then the player answers yes or no. Um, Social distancing on and off the field. Anyone not actively participating will be in the stands at least six feet apart. So nobody in the dugout, nobody in the bullpen. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah,
0: that is interesting because that was a big thing that I think you had mentioned on our Twitter account, Rachel, that like, you can social distance on the field, but... Hello, there's that whole place where they all sit and spit together.
2: Yeah, though as they say anyone not actively participating, and then they do talk about non-playing personnel must wear do- masks and dugout and bullpen. So, like, you know, so if you're, if you're just on mean, the, like, you're currently on the roster but not batting, I think you're still going to be in the dugout. It's just mm-hmm. you know the extra players that would be floating around will be in the um, in the stands. Um, no celebratory contact, including high fives, fist bumps, <laughs> presumably Hot ass pats. slaps. Um, no. And then here's the only no. good thing to come out of all this: only good thing, no spitting. <gasps> spitting is prohibited. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Let's hang huh? on to that one, Major League Baseball. <laughs> and then I like this: fights are strictly prohibited. Normally, they're just kind of prohibited, and they're like. <laughs> <laughs> Probably don't do that, but now they're strictly free. they're extra off limits. Well, in in depression I mean, if you put news, on a mask first, <laughs> yeah, in, stops, puts on their masks and gloves.
0: <laughs> in in sad news, uh, neither spitting nor fighting are mentioned in the NHL's terms.
2: Of course, is not. there is spitting a problem in the NHL? Oh, oh yeah, God.
0: it's disgusting. Like, usually not on people, but like apparently in the in the on the bench. It's just like a spitting. Like you you will actually watch them. They will they will um squirt water into their mouths and then just spit it right on the floor. You know, I think
2: I have seen that and I just kind of blocked it out because Mm -hmm. my brain couldn't because it's gross. Deal with the idea of like
0: Mm -hmm. there three or four years ago there was a mumps outbreak in the NHL because they (laughs) share water bottles and spit so much.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thank you. So, Nancy, so, yeah, what
1: about so- NBA? Uh, yeah, so the NBA is is going ahead, as far as I know, currently with their, their plan. Um, 13 Western Conference teams and 9 Eastern Conference teams are going to play eight regular season seeding games, and then possibly there will be a we're not calling it officially the playoffs, but there will be <laughs> a playoffs-like postseason thing. yeah. Um, and they're, they're starting, like, just starting to, like, let people, you know, they're doing all the preliminary testing before they fly people there. I think starting this week they have people that are allowed to be there, like, coaching and staff and stuff. Um, maybe that started last week. Uh and then I think they're also saying first game is expected around July twenty-fourth, so they don't want to pin it down too much either. Um So we're gonna have
0: basketball maybe and the, baseball on at the same time. Yeah, maybe summer. that's why
2: they couldn't pick a day, because they're getting yeah, TV stuff and, out.
1: And the WNBA too. Um so they're all gonna come back all at once, which I think is poor planning on all of their parts, actually. <laughs> they should have staggered that shit. Because uh, they'd benefit each of them, you know, yeah. if they didn't, if they, but starting all at once, um, you know, it's, I don't, I'm not sure who said it, but they were talking about, um, you know, so, so the NBA is being, trying to be pretty strict about it and they're doing Disney World. It's Disney World in yes. Florida. Thank you. Um, and, you know, they're all meant to stay in their hotels. They're uh, <laughs> one of the things that has been charming is uh, all the uh, sort of cushy concessions that the NBA is going to get. And then the WNBA players are tweeting like, so are we going to get golf instructors, too? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have a braid bar for us, right? Um, so uh, so they've they, They've thought of everything, but as somebody rightly pointed out, um, one of the major things that they are not doing is paying to keep the Disney staff quarantined. Yeah, um, that's... Which they could, they could an issue do if, if they wanted to, but they don't. Um, so they have, and they've got all this stuff, like they've got, you know, I think I talked about this last time in one of my socialism rants about how, uh, you know, they're going to get these fancy rings that can detect symptoms up to three days in advance. Unclear if the WNBA is going to get those or not. (laughs) Again, and
0: I know you said this on the last one, why aren't we giving those to healthcare workers? Right. I'm sorry, why are we giving those to athletes? Like, fucking anybody other than athletes. take the athletes out of the equation, don't bring back sports Immunocompromised
1: people. Give it to people who need it, and then let's yeah, I'm, I'm, but but mm-hmm. see, Rebecca, capitalism. See, <laughs> see, these people make us more money. Whereas they don't they, make me more money. <laughs> <laughs> us, us, us—the one percent—the people we care about. You know, yes, the rich, mm-hmm. folks, the ones that matter, the ones that uh. matter, them. Yeah. Uh. So anyway, so uh, so I think somebody described kindly, generously, and I don't know who it was. So I'm very sorry, but. Kindly and generously described this NBA situation as less of a protective bubble and more of a mesh hat, which I found
2: (laughs) hilarious and (laughs) apt. (laughs) And I mean, you gotta wonder with Florida cases rising and my family's in Orlando and they said nobody's wearing masks there. Yeah, that's like what South I hear. Like South Florida, they are wearing masks. Central Florida, they're not. Yep. And, My- you know, these Disney employees go home mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Well, Disney does exactly actually it. let their employees go home still. <laughs> that's um, actually surprising. Doesn't yeah. have them sleep in vats. Um, so I got to wonder, you know, if Florida cases keep rising, is there a point at which they take that into consideration? I mean, I, th- I would think that they have to.
1: I will say that the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver has been pretty smart about most of this. So I do wonder very much like if this plan is going to change, if at some point he's just going to read the writing on the wall and be like, okay, we're going to pay X number of quarantined employees. And that's just going to be it, you know? But yeah.
0: Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, I I think it's incumbent upon the NBA more than any of the other leagues, perhaps except with the exception of the NFL, To be especially careful with the coronavirus, given how disproportionately it affects uh, people of color. Yeah, you'd think. But at the same time, like all of this stuff that I read in the NHL's document was you have to abide by local ordinances, which is great. Unless you're dealing with (laughs) a state like Florida, who's like local ordinances. What are those?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, the NBA is being much stricter about it. They are requiring quarantine, and they have an anonymous tip line, which I find hilarious. Ooh. yeah. So players What's, can rat each other out. That out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have it, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so if you're a player and you see a player on another team going out for drinks or whatever, uh, you can you can rat them out. Wow. Um, I think that it is unclear what exactly the consequences would be, but but I think it's pretty severe actually so but we still one of the things that's been interesting is we're getting more and more nba players who are you know finally saying like i will go or i won't go um and there are definitely some who are saying "Mm -mm, not doing it um so far the ones that i am familiar i'm not familiar with most of them who are saying that they aren't going to do it but most of them, it's been some sort of like, like DeMarcus Cousins, who um, who used to be a warrior who I personally like a lot. He's been recovering from injury. And he's basically said, like, there's not a good reason for me to go and do this and re-injure myself
2: right, right.
1: now. I'm just going to wait for the for the real season. And then, like another guy has a has a kid who is, I think I think he's six and has a history of respiratory illness. So he was like, "I'm not going." And I was like, "Yes, good, <laughs> good call, yeah. buddy." Um, so stuff like that. I think some other player, like he gets custody of his kid in the summer, so he was like, "Well, I'm gonna stay and have my kid for the summer. I'm not gonna go play basketball in Disneyland and Disney World and maybe get sick, you know?" So that sort of thing. I I haven't. And maybe somebody has done this, and it just wasn't something that stuck in my brain. But I haven't seen anybody just yet be like, "Yo, this is dumb." <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So far, I don't have everybody. A special reason. I just <laughs> have a <the> regular
1: reason, <laughs> right?
2: There's so far, I think everybody players... has
1: come up with a uh, an excuse, at least.
2: There have
0: been a couple of hockey players who were like, "If we start up again, I'm not going because it's really just stupid." Yeah. Who? Um, well, the one that I'm thinking of is of, is. Um, Roman Polak, who plays for oh. the stars. And actually, his name
1: confused me so
0: much. Yes, it did. Uh, and actually, <laughs> he was a very, very polite man, held the door for me at that hotel in uh, in New York. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Um, but he basically, he was like, I am old. I am at risk. If they go back, I'm not going back. I don't, stop it. And Good for I'm, you, buddy. Yeah. I mean, he's old. He's like 34. Right. Um, <laughs> It's yeah.
1: old.
0: <laughs> yeah. old. Yeah, old. Um, yeah. So, but I appreciate that level of honesty.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, um, in the interest of time, because this, in this, uh, quote unquote, short episode we were going to do, <laughs> we've already been here for an hour and 17 minutes. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to toss Sounds it to Rachel right. to uh, close us out with our unwritten rule of baseball.
2: Yeah. Okay. All right. Well... We've had some fun with this segment, but today I'm going to talk about the worst unwritten rule of baseball. Ooh. This is the color line. So not all unwritten rules of baseball survive to this day. Some have fallen out of favor over time. It's hard to say that they were crossed off the books since they were never really on the books to begin with. Um, (laughs) One of those baseball rules is the color line, which, while mostly unwritten, was in effect between 1887 and 1947. So when pro baseball got going in the late 1800s, the leagues were not actually uniformly white. There were a few black players in minor league clubs. And in Mm -hmm. fact, when the first Negro leagues were getting their starts in the 1880s, they were frustrated that the white leagues were poaching some of their best players with offers (laughs) of more money. Uh, And it's interesting, newspaper coverage of the time generally characterized black players positively and even shamed some of the white players who kicked up a fuss and specifically used the word prejudice. Um, (laughs) Moreover, Major League Professional Baseball in the U.S. was never officially segregated. Uh, There were no rules on the books that formally prevented Major League managers from signing players of any race to their teams. Uh, In fact, two brothers named Moses Fleetwood Walker and Weldy Walker played on the Toledo Blue Stockings during the 1884 season. However, the general uh, general racism and the refusal of an influential white player named Cap Anson to play while the Walkers were on the field meant that the brothers were only in the major leagues for a single season. And that they would be the last black major leaguers for another 60 years. In 1887, a a high-level minor league team put a rule on the books disallowing any contracts with black players. And there it's worth noting that the specificity of the wording, they didn't actually ban not white players, only Mm. black players. Um, In fact, the first black professional baseball team was the Cuban Giants uh, out of New York in 1885. None of the players were actually from Cuba. Um, But at the (laughs) time, Cuba had such a good relationship with the U.S., the team thought that adopting the name would make them friendlier to white audiences. Wow. Yeah, it didn't always work. Uh, The Giants (laughs) were scheduled to play a game against the St. Louis Browns in Philadelphia in September of 1887 but eight Browns players staged a mutiny and prevented their team from taking the field. Uh, The Philadelphia times ran a story that said for the first time in the history of baseball, the color line has been drawn. So as you can probably tell, I'm trying to do something a little different with this unwritten rule segment. Um, I always knew I was going to have to expand it eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, And 2020 just happens to be the hundredth anniversary of the founding of the Negro national league. Mm. Um, So although there were many black professional teams in American baseball over the years, uh, 1920 kind of marks the golden age of what we typically refer to when we say Negro League baseball. So my goal here will be to provide you with some interesting and perhaps unfamiliar stories about events and people and how they fit into the wider baseball canon, if you will. Uh, hopefully without sounding like I'm just reading a Wikipedia article at you. <laughs> <laughs> I still plan to talk about the unwritten rules, but I do want to vary this segment a bit. That's, That's awesome. awesome.
1: So like nineteen forty seven, right? That was then yes. Jackie Robinson, right? hmm Yes. That's right. Which I know because we had this this book when I was in grade school that they all made us read called Uh The Year of the Boar and Jackie Robinson, which good actually a little book if you've never read it. I would recommend <laughs> it.
2: So um
1: yeah.
0: Well well I think that's a great note to end on. I love the idea, Rachel, of of expanding that segment. Good, because
2: I was going to do it whether you wanted me to or
0: not. <laughs> I, I figured, but also I support you.
2: Yes, yes I'm glad you think Seconded. it's a good idea. There won't be booing in the background.
1: <laughs> there was when I was in Alaska last um, two years ago, we went to the Midnight Sun game, uh, which is always a good time. and Which is literally played in the sunlight at midnight. I yes. assume
0: with vampires? Because that's what
1: midnight sun <laughs> means to me. No, 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 no. It's just they play in the ballpark on the solstice, and they don't turn the park lights on because you don't need to. Okay. Um, and yeah, so it's great fun. It's a great tradition. Um, and oh yeah, yeah, I guess
2: they wouldn't have had it this year because it would have just been played recently.
1: Yeah, yeah they, this was the first year I want to say since World War II, that they haven't wow. played it. Um, and World before that, they really sad. Yeah, so they they missed it then and then they missed it like a couple times in World War One as well. Um but it's been going over a hundred years. Uh anyway, anyway, while we were there there was a guy a couple bleachers in front of us who had on a like a varsity jacket that had different patches all relating to the Negro leagues on it. It was really cool. I had never oh. seen anything like it. I have pictures somewhere. I'll have to pull one up and put it on our Instagram because it was super neat. It was, you know, like a different patch for each of the different Negro League teams. And it was it was super cool. So I'm excited to hear more about them. Yeah. And more of whatever you're doing with your segment.
0: That's a great idea, Rachel. You know what? Um, uh, we just learned, I just learned at least, that there was a black hockey league before the National Hockey League. So maybe I'll, really? maybe I'll uh, join you in that and do a little do a little overview on them next time.
1: That's awesome. Sounds good.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough for us today. We have, uh, (laughs) we've managed to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you can find us on Twitter at foul puck pod, Instagram at foul puck podcast, you know, all of, all of those things that we're at every time.
1: Foulpuckpodcast.net. That's the one. Yes.
0: I assume thank we're still so on Joe. Facebook.
1: Yeah.
2: Thank you, to Joe, for doing
1: our editing. Let's yes, all talk thank at the you, same Joe. <laughs> Let's all talk at the same
2: time. And uh, thank you to Kevin McLeod at incompatech.com for our uh, intro music. Yeah. And, and I, I just
1: want to say, sorry, I'm going to keep talking over people no, because apparently I'm very good at it. <laughs> uh, we haven't been asking this, but we are on iTunes and I think Spotify. Is that right? Is that right? So, Should be uh, Stitcher, iTunes, and Stitcher. Anyway, my point is, if you can go and give us a review, preferably of the five star kind, and uh, tell your friends, uh, we could. It would be nice to to get a little review and to get a little. little uh, the last little time I checked, there.
0: we we do have one iTunes review. Is it from my partner? <laughs> no, it's from uh, Barry. Do you know a Baron von Chop? Oh, oh, yes, Benny. Oh, yes. It's Benny. Benny.
1: <laughs> Benny.
0: It's from Benny. Like, that's we have delightful. a fan name,
1: Barry. Sorry, Barry. I'm gonna, I mean, maybe well, we do. I do have an ex-boyfriend by that name, but it's <laughs> been a while. So <laughs> I was going to say, well, that's really nice of him. <laughs> Well,
0: thank you uh, from all of us to all of you for joining us once more for the uh, sports and socialism podcast called Foul Puck, and we will catch you (laughs) next time. (laughs)